welcome tonight's speaker, Becca. Timer, otherwise I ramble. Um, I'm Becca, I'm an addict. Uh, let's see, where do I start? I haven't spoken in a really long time. Thank you for asking me to speak. I think I needed this. I'm at a spot in my recovery where it was just kind of a standstill, you know, um, and I've been needing to do something like this, so thank you. Um, so, my clean date is February 19th, 2015, which would put me. Yeah. No need, no need. Which would put me at a little bit over seven years. Um, so, I definitely have a good working knowledge of the 12 steps and of this program. I felt like a jerk not raising my hand for the sponsorship thing, but I will just say I work out of a different text, so that's why I didn't raise my hand. Um, so anyway, I guess a little bit of background would just be that I grew up in a seemingly normal family, you know, middle class, like I, we had everything we needed and most of what we wanted as well, you know, um, in that regard, but as far as like the mental health portion of the members of my family, that was just not a vibe. And that I think is what first started my need to get out, you know, like need to escape from them and from myself. And I just wanted to, my skin was just crawling all the time. Like I just hated the feeling that I had being around my family. I felt super uncomfortable. Um, I felt deceived a lot as I grew older. I found out more, I uncovered more and more lies. It was just like this onion, like we talk about in here, like peeling back the layers. Like I feel like my whole life I've just been like peeling back the layers of like what the fuck's gonna come up next with the lies of my family, you know? Um, my mom is a recovering alcoholic, but she's dry. Um, she doesn't work a program anymore and it's evident you know, um, and then my stepdad, he's also in the program. He's been sober for like, I don't know, a million years. Like he has so much time. And then my brother's dad, there's so many dads. My brother's dad, he was, um, addicted to like Coke and drank all the time and all this stuff. And he still drinks. He never really like completely got off of it, but he's more, manageable now like I can be around him more which is nice um, because he's the source of my daddy issues even though he's my brother's dad and then I have my dad my real dad who lived in Florida my whole life who I didn't meet until I was like 13 so just and I have a brother and a sister so that's just to give you some family background <laughs> my brother's pretty chill I feel like he has an addictive personality but he put that into like video games and Mountain Dew instead um, and then my sister, she's only 14 and she's a wild card. She's definitely learning how to go through the motions of life. She's starting high school soon and, you know, kids nowadays. So we'll see what happens <laughs> with her. Um, but pretty much the gene is just like hardcore for everyone in my family. And I'm just grateful that I'm clean today and that I get to set an example, especially for my sister. Do you say clean or sober in here? Okay. Um, especially for my sister because I didn't have that guide growing up. Um, I only had my mom and with that came judgment instead of like help, support, and advice. Um, but with my sister, I, I get to give her those things. So um, 
I wish I had that, but I can't change anything. Um, so anyway, sorry, I ramble. So like throughout middle school, it was fine, whatever. We were all weird, you know? And then once we got to high school is when the real shit started happening and people started like drinking and smoking weed, but they kept it chill with that, you know? Like they would still like do their homework and go to school and all that stuff. Like they were able to maintain and um, I thought that I could too. And I thought that I'd just dive right in with them and, um, I remember I went to a party once and I saw people snorting pills and I was like, oh, what is that? And they were like, oh, it's oxy. It'll make you feel good. And I was like, how I know that I'm an addict is just like, I didn't even give it a second thought. I was just like, for sure, like, let's go. And that wasn't even like my, it wasn't like my addiction coming out yet. It was just like my impulsivity. Like I just have always had that part of my personality like I just can't control it um and so I tried it obsessed with it you know and then I was hooked and I stopped going to school like I skipped so many classes like I was just chasing this fucking stupid pill you know and then it became heroin and it became a bunch of other drugs and I just like became this person that I never thought that I would be like you know when they ask you when you're younger like what do you want to be when you grow up I always said a marine biologist I didn't say someone sticking a needle in their arm you know and I just like thought about that sometimes and I was just like who have I become and I would have those moments of clarity like during my active addiction where it would just like pop into my head like this guilt and the shame and like what am I doing and all this stuff and I didn't even have program ingrained in me yet you know and but I still felt this guilt it's not like I didn't care at all you know um and so I still unfortunately didn't listen to that voice for a very long time and um, not a very long time. The first time I went to rehab was when I was 16 and it was because someone ratted me out, which was super fucked up, but to my mom, one of my friends, <laughs> but I went to rehab when I was 16, just went through it, whatever. But that was the first time I was ever introduced to a program like of me being the participant in it. I would go to meetings with my mom growing up, but I would just like sit on the floor and color, you know, like I didn't obviously pay attention. And so this was my first like meeting for me. And I watched and I listened and I absorbed what was going on. And I was like, okay, cool. They have a point. Okay, cool. Like that's cool that they're living a good life. Like maybe I could have that, but like, fuck that, you know, I still wanted to get high. And so, um, I got out of that rehab and I was back to using immediately. And then again, like in college, I just realized that like, you know, people were going to like frat parties and getting drunk and all that type of stuff, but nobody was really like staying at the party, locking themselves in the bathroom and like doing what they needed to do, like way more intensely to keep it going, the party going. Um, which nodding off isn't really a party, but it feels like it to me. Um, it's my own little party. But uh, so, yeah, once I had, like, 
that going on a bunch of my friends were like whoa you're actually super gnarly like we don't do that so bye and so then I really had no one and my drug dealer was my only friend which is a great friendship you know and um I just like hated who I was I was sick it had gotten to the point now where like I had to like rob people for money like I stole from my own grandma like all these sentimental items and I was actually just at her house a couple months ago and she was like oh do you want like some earrings come look through my jewelry blah 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 and it just was like so like triggering I think for both of us because I was just like looking at these pieces of jewelry that she like loves so much you know and the pieces she had left and it was like so scarce compared to like what it was when I went to go take it you know and um you know I'm forgiven and all that type of stuff but it's just like when you're faced with that like I you know I've talked about it when I share and things like that before but I don't think it ever really hit until that moment like if someone were to steal something from me that like meant that like I have my grandpa's ring on right now and if someone were to take that like I know it's material but it just it would hurt my heart would be broken you know and so that makes me sad but there's so many things that I wish I didn't do you know but I didn't I had to do what I needed to do to get high I was sick it's a disease you know and I believe that wholeheartedly and um anyway so I asked to go to rehab uh, when I was, I think, turning 19 years old and went to rehab, did the whole deal, blah, blah, blah. I did 90 days and I actually like worked a program. I got a sponsor. I was into it. Like I liked the fellowship. It seemed fun, but I came up, I came to rehab out here. That was my condition. Like I'm not just going to be in Arizona in a rehab with tumbleweeds. You know what I mean? Like I wanted the beach. I wanted you know, the pretty vibes, whatever, the fun surfer vibes. I've never surfed, but you know what I mean. Um, and so I was able to stay clean for a while because I didn't know anybody out here besides the people that were clean, you know, and I took rehab seriously because I really was fucking done. Like I was done feeling sick. I was done trying to find money all the time. Like the hustle is really exhausting and being sick's even worse. And so um, I stayed clean, I think, for maybe 18 months. Uh, I did some steps. I had commitments, like all these kinds of things. And I was just like, how did that even happen? You know, like I was doing everything that I was supposed to be doing. And I think that I was like ready to get off of drugs and alcohol. But I was 18. So I think I was like sick of being sick and and really wanted to be off the drugs. But then once I realized like how much responsibility I had in life, like getting a job, showing up for work, like even showing up to these meetings, feeling obligated to like show up to events and all that stuff like that, even that pressure of feeling obligation, like I should be excited to go to those events or, you know, to do my step work or to go to meetings. But it, it felt like an obligation, I think at one point and that I got in my head about that. And, um, I never got past the fourth step that first time. And I think a lot of it was because everyone like put into my head how scary it was. So that didn't really help me. Mm -hmm. By the way, it's the sixth that's scary to me at least. But, um, yeah, I I think I never got past that step that might've had something to do with it. I don't know. Um, but 
I suffer from a lot of chronic pain. I've been in six car accidents and not all my fault. And um, yeah, so I'm 28 years old and I feel like I'm 99 physically and it sucks. You know, it sucks because I have these opportunities to get medication for it, you know, Um, and even throughout the past seven years, like that's been like one of the solutions, you know, and I have to turn it down and that's hard, you know, because I wouldn't really be in those situations if I didn't have the chronic pain, but it's not like a woe is me thing. It's just like a really big test constantly, you know? Um, and so anyway, I relapsed, relapsed, relapsed. I went to rehab probably four times before I finally got it. Um, and that's when I started listening instead of like thinking that I knew everything like in groups and stuff. I just wanted to be like, I wanted to hear myself talk because the other guy talking about his boring ass shit, like I didn't want to hear him again today. So I'll talk, you know, and, um, I went to the same rehab three times. So it was the same group, same questions, all this stuff. So I felt like the teacher's aide or something, you know, and I was just cocky. And so this time around at that rehab, I, I finally showed some humility and took it seriously. And so, and I, it, it wasn't paid for by insurance. My family paid for it out of pocket every single time. And like that kills me too. Cause I'm like, that's so much money that they could have just used for themselves, you know? Um, but they were willing to spend that much money just to see me Like, just be healthy, you know? Like, who, if someone told me that I had to spend a hundred grand, you know, to keep my dog well and alive, I, I, that'd be hard, you know? Like, and it's a dog, it's not me, you know, on heroin, but you know what I mean? It's like, I love my dog so much, you know? And I would hate seeing her sick, but then if they told me that price, I'd be like, I don't think so, you know? Um, so anyway, it just like, it meant so much to me and I think it finally hit me and I've worked in treatment a lot over the past seven years and and not everybody's like this but unfortunately now that there's insurance like I feel like it's treated as almost like a hotel room key card like I can just use this for anywhere whenever I want thank you like as long as my parents are like still paying my premium or you know maybe they pay their own premium once they turn 26 all of that like I've seen like since it's gone I worked in admissions when I had like a year clean and it still seemed like legit you know and then as time has gone on it's just like this body brokering and people like not taking it seriously because they know that their insurance will just cover another place for them in two weeks you know what I mean or someone might be like hey I'll give you five grand if you get high right now and then I'll put you in a new place like that's just the reality you know and I'm glad that that's not how it was when I was in treatment because five thousand dollars to go get high would probably sound pretty good to me you know um and so this time around has just been different for me. Like I've been so serious about it. I mean, clearly if I'm still clean and, um, I just, 
did what I did that first time, you know, I, I got a sponsor, I was deeply involved in the same fellowship, I mean, when I was getting high, when I relapsed, I was, like, coming to meetings and doing, like, the literature commitment, loaded as fuck, you know, like, I, I still wanted to, like, show up for my shit and, like, be a part of that fellowship, but I wanted to also, like, feel numb while I did it, you know, um, and so I always had like one foot in, one foot out, and I, I just needed to have both feet in this time and just like bury the drugs and alcohol for good. Like I, I grieved it, you know, because I think I knew that it was real this time. And um, I was thinking about it on the way over here. Like if you're new, and welcome, by the way, to I don't know if it's your first time or if you've been here before. Yeah. But welcome back, and I'm happy that you're here, and congratulations on 60, was it? Okay, awesome. And then six months. Congratulations, you guys. Um, I was thinking about it, because I was talking to a friend that just relapsed, and I was like, it's scary when you get when you first get clean, because it's like you remember so vividly like what just happened, or... You remember so visit, like uh, vividly how good and bad the drugs just felt, you know? Like, it was kind of like, there's still two sides to it. Like, it still seems really good to you, but, like, you're, you're sick, so you need it, and blah, blah, blah. That's what your mind tells you, and so it's scary, and it might be easy to just run back to that. Today, I'm not detoxing, and I'm not sick, and I have, you know, a decent amount of time, so I'm not, like, aching to go get those drugs, but I'm still just as much at risk, you know, of that relapse because I don't remember, you know, like I forget the further away that I get from my addiction, the less I remember about what happened during my addiction. And then the less I remember how much pain I was in because I'm not feeling that pain. I'm not like close to that pain anymore. You know what I mean? And so it's like, I could slip at any moment because I forget, you know, and maybe it'll be good again, you know, um, but I don't, and going to meetings helps a lot with that, step work helps a lot with that, um, because step work, you know, I get to put it all out on paper, and it helps me, like, analyze that thought and see the table all the way through and all that, and then I always feel better after, and I'm like, okay, never mind, and, um, (laughs) And then, you know, fellowship, I talk to addicts every day. I'm surrounded by addicts. I still work in treatment, um, but I'm doing accounting, which is super random part of treatment. But I just, like, I couldn't really be that close anymore. I think I just kind of outgrew it. Um, And so the, um, the thing that helps me the most, though, I think, honestly, is being in a meeting and hearing the newcomer, you know, or even the old timer. Like I get my wisdom from the people that came before me, but then I also get just as much wisdom from people that are just coming in today, you know, because I don't want to feel what they're feeling. Like I don't, I'm sorry. It just like is the worst feeling in the entire world. And I've been there so many times. And it's not like I had like my tail between my legs when I came back because I knew that I'd be welcomed with open arms. But it was just that like, ugh, I have to start over and like do all this again, all these steps again, fucking 90 and 90. Like the whole, all these suggestions, like I'm busy, I have work now. I don't have time for 90 and 90, you know what I mean? And so 
anyway, it's, it's just been crazy, like, especially with the people with time, like, my best friend ever, like, we were inseparable when we met um, in this program, we were inseparable for, like, five years, you know, and and she decided to go out, and it's been, at first, I was like, okay, like, maybe she's just, like, going through something and needs to, like, do that, and then, like, come back, you know, maybe it was the guy, or something like that, you know, and it's been two years, and, it, like, I'm so emotional, and I used to never be emotional, um, my boyfriend thinks I'm on my period like all he'll be like are you on your period and I'm like no I just cry all the time now um but I haven't seen her face in two years and it's like the people that you think like are just gonna like ride this thing out with you like you just never fucking know I know people with 25 30 years that have gone out you know I was doing meth with a chick that I saw in the rooms that had 25 years and then I saw her at this house where I was doing meth and I was like oh my fucking god you know like it happens. It can happen to anybody. And um, that's why I just have to, like, be diligent and not be complacent and, and trust in a higher power as well. I haven't touched on the higher power thing, you know. Like, I wouldn't be here if it weren't for that, you know. Like, an addict's an addict. And, like, they say, like, when you're an addict, like, the comfortable spot for you to be in is, like, using those drugs or drinking that alcohol. Like, that's where we're comfortable. This is uncomfortability, you know, and, you know, the saying with uncomfortability comes growth, like, that's true, you know. Um, I'm a creature of habit, and I don't like to explore new things or do new things. It gives me a lot of anxiety, and, like, this was something new for me, you know, or even just meeting random people or, like, going, even going up to a newcomer and shaking their hand and, like, asking them, like, how, how they are or their story or if they need anything and blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't always do that. And it's not because I don't want to. It's because I have so much anxiety because it's out of my comfort zone, you know, even after all this time. Um, but helping the newcomer was a huge thing for me, too. Like, I did get out of my comfort zone when it came to that because, like, that girl that I saw in the corner, like, in the back, just, like, crying, you know, or, like, in the in her withdrawals, whatever, like, that girl was me, you know, and I think it's important that we don't ignore people like that, um, and also the strong people, like, check on the strong people, I think one of the hardest points and lowest points in my recovery was this year, you know, and, and I can't pinpoint an exact thing, but there was a lot of death this year, like, yeah, the COVID thing's been weird, but I think it finally hit me, like, that there's some depression there, you know, and I just moved to Long Beach, and I think that that sucks, because this was, like, where I was for 10 years, and my fellowship's down here, and it's just, like, not something that I can do every day or every other day is drive down here from Long Beach, you know? And it's just, like, that's what it is. Like, people are like, well, why don't you come down to all these meetings, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, do you want to drive all the way up to Long Beach to go to meetings all the time? And people say, like, oh, well, you would drive this far for drugs, blah, 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 you know? And I'm just like, yeah, but I'm tired. I just worked all day, you know? And so that part sucks because I do feel super isolated. And, um... My boyfriend is a normie, and he drinks 
he can only drink Bud Light because he's like allergic to other beers. It's weird. I wish I had that problem. And he literally only drinks Bud Light. Has never even tried weed. I'm like, are you okay? Like how? You know, not even once. Have you ever relaxed? Like seriously. And um, he'll drink like maybe two on a weekend, not even that. He's like, oh yeah, I've been drinking like a month. And I'm like, what? Like I, I didn't even notice, you know? And so that makes it nice for me um, to have that type of relationship as well. I tried the whole dating another addict thing and I think it's just, well, you need to talk to your sponsor about that defect. You know what I mean? Just like everyone it's too, not saying two addicts can't be together, you know, but it is very intense. Um, so anyway, I, the point of me saying that is like, if he does drink one or something, it doesn't make me uncomfortable. Like it feels like he's just drinking a soda or something. I'm not triggered by that. Should he be leaving them in my fridge? No. Has he on accident sometimes? Yes. Have I wanted to drink them? No, they're just sitting there. But if someone put heroin in my fridge, like (laughs) I'd love to say that I wouldn't do it, but like I might do it, you know, and that sucks. It sucks that I still, like, have that um, mentality, but I was, I had the thought, like, I never thought about drinking, using, using, definitely not, like, people are dying fucking instantly all the time, like, I'm just scared of it, you know, I say definitely not, (laughs) who knows what would happen, but, like, thinking about it now, like, I've never been more definitely not than I have in my life, you know? But as far as drinking goes, I still have the thought that's like, well, I'm more mature now. Like, I'm older. Like, fuck a bar or a club, ew, you know? Like, I would just, you know, have a glass of wine at home on my couch, you know, and just relax. Like, you know, but then what I realized with that thought, I'm like, coming up with all these options, I'm going to end after this, like, I could drink and it'd be totally fine and manageable and be on cloud nine because I'm able to manage it and that's amazing because I've always wanted that or I could drink once and hate it and regret it and I know people like that and come immediately back and you know time isn't everything time is just time you know what I mean like it's not like oh I lost my seven years that would be like the tragedy it's like the the shame and guilt that I would feel. I'd be disappointed in myself. I don't care about the number, you know? Or I could take that drink and just, like, spiral full-blown addiction again, you know? And I was telling my stepdad about that on the phone, and he's like, Becca, the fact that you just came up with three different scenarios shows that you have a fucking problem, you know? And I was like, I was like, oh, my God, you're right. And so I didn't drink. But um, anyway... I don't, like, I don't even know how to speak at meetings anymore, honestly, because it's been so long, and um, my brain just gets frazzled. I'm really fried. I'm really tired. I work full-time. I go to school full-time. Like, these are gifts of the program, but I'm tired, you know, and, like, I pay for my own health insurance. I pay my car payments. I pay all my bills. Like, I'm able to be responsible today. That money is not going towards 
pills, heroin, alcohol, you name it, whatever. And I feel good about that. Like I'm able to fill my gas tank, like all these sorts of things that I wasn't able to do. But like, most importantly, I'm able to get the fuck out of myself for once in my life and like listen to somebody else or care about somebody else or relate to somebody else in the rooms, you know? And like, that's my high today is just like knowing that I'm not the only one. Honestly, because I thought that I was the only one feeling what I was feeling when I wasn't. There's so many and there's so many people that can like do it and really do it and stay here and work a good program. And so I thank everybody that does that and sets that example. And I'm thankful that I'm able to set that example for somebody else. So um, I could talk forever. I know that might have been super jumbled, but that's what I had to say. And that's that. Meeting is now open for